Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 216 of Cyclocross Radio. On today's show, we are in the media pit with Zach and Michael, and we're talking about all of the cyclocross nationals that actually happened this year and happened last weekend. And then we're going to get into a discussion about the cyclocross world's team for the U.S. and how that selection happened and who's on the team and all of the other implications for this year and going forward. If you have a minute, please go check out everything over at WideAnglePodium.com. That is the podcast network that Cyclocross Radio is a part of. Go check out the other shows. Go check out Slow Ride and uh, Criterium Nation, Nowhere Fast, and all the cool stuff that they are putting out. And then, you know, go check out Zach and I's uh, Substack. That's the newsletter. It's the CX Hairs Bulletin that we've been putting out pretty much daily. You're getting a ton of content there. We would love for you to be a subscriber. We have this certain number in mind that we talked about. We wrote it down on a little piece of paper and folded it over and sort of uh, handed it back and forth to each other over the table before we started this thing and said, this is the number. This is the number of subscribers we want to try to get to. And we are so close. So if you can help us out and then you get all of that content in return, go to cxhairs.substack.com and join up. And then you get to go over to the Slack channel too if you become a subscriber and we can go chat on secret CX Hairs Bulletin Twitter. All right, let's get into the show. It is episode 216 of Cyclocross Radio. We're talking about nationals. We're talking about worlds. We got Michael and Zach, and we're doing it right now. We are back in the pit. Michael, how's it going? Uh, Bill, not good. I'm drawing a Blanca. I'll, I'll accept it. Crickets, tumbleweed, <laughs> gif. Just it was off week this week, you know, rest week. I'm 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 training. I'm getting my puns ready for worlds. All right, that's cool. Hey Zach, did you put any money down on the uh, winning time for uh, uh, Blanca Vosh and the uh, uh, Hungarian Nationals? <laughs> What was the over under? I think was it I, I believe the over under <laughs> on the uh the illicit Hungarian nationals betting market was twelve. And it turns out that you wanted to bet the over on that one. Oh my god. What did you say she won I think by? She won by over fifteen minutes. Uh, so she finished in like forty four and then How long was the, okay, that's what I was gonna ask. How long would the rate was forty four? But like so the next person finished only one other person finished on the lead lap fifteen minutes behind. So how many laps? You know, I was on the UCI website and I didn't I didn't look that up. So I, my question being, is it possible that she lapped somebody before the second lap? Yes, 100%. Which would have been impossible. <laughs> I'd say 100%. So it's so bad that like... She like caught somebody in the starting grid still like <laughs> clipping in as she was coming in for last. I mean, two. it's so like... She won by so much. I was looking at Cyclocross 24 and uh, they do the time deficit. And, you know, it was like... And so I just looked at that one and it was 44 and then 1511. I was like... Wow, her. I, I assume that like her competitor did like one lap in fifteen minutes, but that was actually the the time oh, deficit. God. That was just remarkable. Yeah, that is something. Yeah, she also raced with the junior junior men, and uh, like Pac Man, she ate a bunch of them up. Only only seven of them finished. All right, so. Hungary has, has a new cyclocross hero, somebody, you know, that they can uh, look up to and sort of build up that program. It's all right. So she, my understanding, I'll just jump right into this with my I, my, yes. my favorite take of this whole thing. So she's she's on Star Casino, right? Like she's one of the, is she? Yes, no. Or is she on Proximus? No, no she's not. Okay, so Proximus. anyway, so she's on Proximus. I was, it's not going to work, but anyway, we, we were talking uh, a <laughs> couple of our Star Casino friends. Ava Lechner, she was in the Italian tricolor, and uh, Mary Norbert Ribrol was in the, you know, the tricolor, the French tricolor. 
I, we've talked about this kit. I thought both of them were going to, I thought that would provide the motivation for them to capture that natty again, to not have to wear the trade kit. And they both, I think they both finished third. So a little disappointed in Team Star Casino. Michael, what are your thoughts? You're our Star Casino expert. <laughs> I don't know how I got uh, demoted to that position, but... Um... <laughs> not demoted. You've been on that beat since the second they released that kit, my friend. No, yeah. No, like, I was really excited for Anake to race and hopefully win the British Nats. And I thought the sort of Brit flag with the the red shorts would have been a would have been a really great kit and unfortunately she didn't get that chance and uh yeah they lost a lot of their 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 national championship jersey except for um the the junior woman lucia bramati who kept her natty champ jersey my my favorite winner in for the italian side and i i think i don't know why maybe i just missed this in other broadcasts but it's alice or zufi yes uh ce makes a che sound in italian ci makes a chi sound uh, this is the only thing i remember from studying abroad in italy i like it i i mean i i know i have just destroyed it uh in the past but that that that's what i learned from nationals that it's alice so i'm I'm all in. Yes, no, it's what gives the Congrats Italian. It's it's uh, whatever. Um, again, yeah, we're making we're all making the hand motion. I, I don't remember a single other word from studying abroad there first semester, but I do remember that. And um, yeah, it's not Alice. It's Alice. So I want to yeah I want to come in with my hot uh, Euro's national take. Clement Venturini wins the men's french national championship is he bad for french cyclocross like is he ruining because like he wins and then he doesn't race anymore like he raced twice this year last year he like raced one race and then he also did two races and won the national championship like we don't get to see that jersey you know he's not like francis moray like out there representing france what's up but we did get to see the new what team is he on? Oh, Aru on the Quebec team. No, 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 no. With uh, uh, Venturi and the uh, and the big font, the big font kit. Um, <laughs> oh, AG two R. Um, yeah, it's, 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 he debuted the AG two R. You know, will this be? This is a good slow ride prop. How long until AG two R gets its second win of? 2021 that is that that has slow ride prop written all over it <laughs> so call me john was also racing he races for he's also on ag2r so that's why i thought lillian call me john just lillian call needs to win on my birthday because i want him to be my favorite bike racer because i love saying his name lillian call me john call me jane so, guys, so the, the big races, I mean, the big yes. race, I guess, was probably Belgian Nats. Uh, and so we've seen this year, Sana Kant, you can definitely put her down for like a fifth through seventh position. Uh, and you can just kind of like, you know, like clockwork, you can just take that to the to the bank. I mean, were we looking like, was she one of the heaviest favorites? Like you just assumed, which is weird that Sana Kant was going to win Belgian Nats. Yeah, I mean, you were just saying she finishes fifth through seventh. So by the time you get rid of the Dutch, the Hungarian, and the American, then there's really no one else left for her to compete against, right? I mean, isn't isn't that kind of kind of where? It's, and she also has her little Dutch pony camp that she's been uh, <laughs> pulling around as well. So it, it it really was down between her and Kopecky, right? I mean, wasn't that wasn't that going to be the 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 competition the whole time so here's what's wild you know, is, is you know this was a race that we had to watch with the old vpn and uh, i was peeping i think it was sporza or whoever was broadcasting it uh and they had a poll and this was like in the second lap so sano was maybe a second or two ahead of kopecky and they did a poll who's gonna win and sana only got like 54 percent of the vote like <laughs> she oh, they are man. down on sana Khan. like they were thinking lot of was gonna knock her off like i thought that was wild. i was like man i just another another bit on sana watch of where things are in her reality so talking about new kits now Kopecky is in the live kit but she was like in the 
black kit before. Why was that? I think she was in the Sudol kit. No, they hadn't. Um, they hadn't unveiled the kit yet, so yeah. it was okay, like in right. between. Oh, the kit so unveiling when she got, and when Yara gave her the Heisman, she was in the uh, in the black kit. For anyone that that missed that, I missed that. Yeah, or I've, oh, I, you did. Yeah, right in front of the pit. Uh, uh, pits. You can. Yeah, she. Uh, Left her line. It was like a cat five crit. You know, Yara yelled at her for uh, not holding her line, and then gave her a little, uh, little uh, stiff arm to to get her back into her place. I love that though, because I I think if it was at um, Holst, I remember seeing some black kit in that first mud pit, just like go sideways and bowling ball people. So it's kind of fitting that it ended up being Kapeki and our friend uh, crashed a line. Just kind of like, you know, getting after it. They're like, I'm the worst rider here. No, I'm the worst technical rider here. Or like the Spider-Man meme, you know, where they're like pointing right, at each other. Right. Well, I, I was thinking about that more as, as well. And I think that the the takeaway that Castelline should um, take away is is that if you're going if you're going to push somebody like it was more her follow through. Because she did it, and then she just gave it a little, a little extra at the end, and kind of extended her arm, so you definitely could see that there was some push motion. And if you compare that to uh, like Tone Ertz when they were coming through the sand at, um, I forget what the race is now, but Ailey decided just to sort of like, you know, weave right in front of him, and Tone gave him the little, little push to the butt, saying, uh, "Hey, buddy, um, I'm working here," and uh, sort of like. You know, just sort of scooted him back into his lane. And nobody said anything about that. That was perfectly fine. Nobody had a problem with it. And I think if she had done that, just sort of like, um, hey, hey, Rody, um, yeah, get over there, uh, then, then she would have been okay. But it was, it was kind of that little, little extra oomph that she put on the end of it that I think people were um, not pleased with. So, I mean, we've been hearing a lot about this. Bill, you remember this from basketball. You know when we'd bust out the pads, you know, when you'd bring out the big foam pads and the, you know, you were big, like you'd go in the lane and the the little managers would yeah, you got to drop you step. Up. Yeah. They'd be beating you up as you go up and I mean, how long from what we're hearing about cyclocross in Europe before practices, you know, the Cannondale squad, some of these American riders if they're just be bringing out the pads and like you know, start line, like just throwing bows, but you know, with pads on them, you know, Stu Thorne might be out there just giving, giving Clara some shoves with the, the, the pad. I, I mean, how long before we see that happen? I think so. Especially it seems like it, it, it comes up a lot when there's a drop. So it's coming up, you know, and sort of hesitating before a drop and having come, people come up behind you. I think that's what happened with uh, Katie Compton this year. So yeah, I think, I think you're gonna have to do those, those pad drills. I'm I'm for it. Cannondale's gonna have to pull out the sled, you know, ride into your ride into sled on your bike. <laughs> I like it. It's a gauntlet. All right. So Sonic got number number twelve. Um, that's yes. pretty good. Uh, do you think she's? I mean, do you think she's thinking about Compton? I bet she's thinking about Compton. They. I, I'm pretty sure on that Spores of broadcast there was a Katie Compton mention from the from the announcers i don't know if it's just for like longest streaks or or what it is but yeah i mean now she now she has the opportunity you know a couple more years she'll be able to to, to catch yeah her. well and she started a little bit earlier she started when she was like 19 or something so i mean if she rolls for another decade she could end up with 20 20 plus belgy nats she got 12 <laughs> dog you're shaking your head she's only like wow. 31 I mean, eight eight more years i mean you think i mean i guess you look at Sonic Kant and, and her three world championships and sort of this year, like, do you think she's going to want to race at this level and maybe declining for eight more? I mean, unless she turns things around, I mean, that's a good point. That's right. Katie Compton was still like kicking butt and taking names until she was like 42. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing we, you know, it's just what we were talking about earlier with uh, Clara, you know, making sure people remembered Katie Compton and she was like, she was winning World Cups or won World Cup podiums this year, you know. So it's like, yeah, she's she's not far removed from from success. Uh, I think the the one thing that uh, Sonic Khan has to look out for is if uh, Belgium comes through as their threat to um, uh, nationalize Vosh, Blancavash, make her a make her a Belgian citizen, and then. Um, they're just gonna hold her at the border until she changes uh, changes citizenship. <laughs> oh man! So 
quick well i hear quick quick question first first trivia question of the podcast um do you know the the last person to win belgian nats that wasn't sonicon <laughs> wait think someone I'm... else has won belgian nats in the women's race other than ellen van loy i don't know if i could i'll say ellen van loy i mean that's that's the thing right who who is the other name you think when you think of belgian yeah. women races is low cells um but it it was joyce vanderbricken oh she's still before out my there. time she's still grinding is she yeah she's still out there um she was uh 15th wow you're right zach the, the crazy thing is she's yeah she, i mean she's only six years older than uh sana who knows like uh, it, if sana will still want to race she she's already getting crap for not racing where was it like uh Koppenberg. Is it Mall? Where was it? Well, she didn't do Koppenberg this year. No, 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 no. Next race. Oh. Like, they're mad that she's not showing off her, you know, um, her new championship jersey, which is Oh, she's skipping uh, She's skipping Mall. Mall. Yeah, she's skipping Mall. Wout's going to be there. And it's just like, it's not like it's a new jersey. It's the same jersey <laughs> she had a week ago. <laughs> wants to take a break but yeah there was a spores out a big article kind of um sort of a snotty article about her deciding to skip that race and not do the traditional you know unveiling of the new national champs jersey i didn't read it but they also i mean they were they were really crushing like the hard-hitting journalism this week they had a story about like don sota's uh glasses i don't did you guys peep that i like, saw because they what i just saw the picture of them in the mud what was the point of that <laughs> I didn't. I didn't translate it. I, I must have. Just like it was. It was on the mind because Bill, you did that, uh, and we'll get to this. This is obviously foreshadowing, but you did that great article on the U.S. Nationals, uh, the team for Team USA for Worlds, and someone commented about doing journalism, and I was going to be like, "Hey, do you consider this hard hitting journalism?" It was like something about Don's glasses. Well, that's interesting because the one thing I remember from the Belgian men's race um, was that Wout lap two threw his you know shades on the start finish line onto the pavement, and I'm just like, "Wow, that's that's nice." Like. <laughs> do you mean the start finish track yeah yeah pretty narrow <laughs> how about that course in Milbecky? i mean i i mean obviously it's the year of covid but i i think there's just been some races recently that have shown standards have fallen i feel like <laughs> like i was super unimpressed by this course the track start was weird i didn't think i mean the part of it that one off camber where they sort of did the the serpentine thing where they went up and down it like six times seemed very American to me. That seemed but like we've a, seen that twice. We saw that at um, Essence. Was that at Robot Land? Or maybe it was Robot yeah, Land. Yeah, was that Robot Land? Yeah, Robot so Land. So like, that's just the thing is we're seeing derivative features. We're seeing. I don't like every all these courses just end up looking like the I can't think of the most boring field riding course that you can find. But then, but this one all it was also looked like it was at another construction site because literally half of the track was just mud. Yeah, I mean, do you think yeah, it has anything to do with just there's no fans, so you don't really have to build around anything? It's just like cram it in, you know, like that. De- what that has definitely, um resulted in is less flyovers this year yeah that's true tons less flyovers this year because they don't have to do you know the it's you know elevation flyover for elevation is reason two reason one (laughs) is so fans can get around the the track that's reason one so you don't need a course marshal you know to, to get people in and out from the interior to exterior of the of the track to go buy more frites and beer yeah so well and i think part of it too is they're trying to keep them in far away venues so i'm sure a lot of these are like venues that they can control access to uh it seems like that's part of it too right with hulse they went way out in the middle you know well outside the city and stuff and we saw all this inner city in the city races get canceled or moved so i'm guessing that has part of it but i don't know it just it kind of reminded me of robot land it's like that's a lot of exposed mud and it's not exposed by cyclists like because no one else raced before these yeah. events i just don't think it dries there i think everywhere is just muddy that's my experience with belgium it's just like 
you get to this time of the year and it's just everything's just gonna be mud so wout ends up just sort of ro- rolling away with this one never really any any drama in the men's race tone Ertz in second and then first sauce michael van torn out and then a little bit of a little bit of um uh, discontent in the sauce in the sauce sauce house. He doesn't say after there, the there, race there wasn't drama in the race, but there was definitely drama in the Belgian press afterwards. I mean that was that was yeah. kind of fun. So Johnny, I'm forgetting his last name. The uh, Mearsman. Mearsman. Johnny Mearsman uh, taking a lead the task a little bit about not um you know was disappointed in his in his performance, and then the sauce boss had to come up there and uh. You know, have his get his boys back back and say, "Hey, look, look, the kid's only twenty three. Give him a break." You know, so interesting, interesting that the house the house of sauce seems to be uh seems to be leaking. <laughs> well, it's kind of interesting. Apparently, the uh, per that that interview, the only sauce who did his job was Lauren Sweck, and so I guess he was supposed to be up in the mix. Although I don't know if you guys peeped that I was I, I remember there was that big traffic jam that was like half caused by Wout on one side and half caused by I think it was Tim Merlier on the other side. But <laughs> there were like sauce bikes, like Ron Camp's bike was intertwined with others. So it's like Wout did like a dismount brake check and then just caused a traffic jam that really got him off the front and really neutralized uh Van Tornout and Ailey from even allowing the sauce so i don't know if he planned that but it's it seemed like it kind of threw the sauce plan uh into the vat of mayonnaise that's where i would throw it i don't like mayonnaise so that's where i would throw it if it was going awry yeah so even though they like yeah right so wow in more ways than one he sort of was going to win that race he 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 killed the team i mean i think it was interesting to see that they had the plan was that that sweek was it didn't seem like Sweek was a designated leader, even though he was a defending Belgian champ, right? Um, he, his plan was to go out early, and Van Turnout and L.A. were or maybe the, the ones to uh, try to get to the jersey, which, you know, that kind of sees to the form we've seen Sweek the rest of this year. Um, and also makes my point of last year that the only reason Sweek won the Nationals is because the team let him win. Um, well, on the, did you see what Sweck was like, you know, kind of like, yeah, whatever, don't even want this thing? Or, you know, he was in the press saying, I lost, you know, 50% of the income that normally would come along with having this kit. So who even wants, he didn't say who even wants it, but he was, he was definitely bummed how this year went that his, his time in the Belgian national kit did not pay off. He did not get the economic bump from, oh. from the kit. Interesting. So you think maybe he'd want to win it again? To you think so? But at the other time, maybe he was just like, "Yeah, whatever. Not even worth my time." <laughs> I mean, I think you're that, giving him way too much credit. I just don't think he was good enough. I mean, he no, was going to be. Nobody was going to catch. He was up right? there, and he just kept fading. I mean, yeah. he just faded and faded and faded. Like, you know, uh, he couldn't even get on the podium. I don't. I don't. I think we're giving him way too much credit. You can't beat those fresh daddy watts. Yeah, I mean that's a thing, right? Like, and Wow, Wow has to wait until after the race to reveal that he hadn't slept for six days. Um, still, maybe he made it easy. But see, this is why I like Wow. Like, Wow doesn't. He would not have used that as an excuse. He wouldn't have said, "Woe is me, I I didn't sleep for six days." You know, he didn't. He wasn't out there lowering expectations, being like, I, I don't know. That's just what I I, you know. Feel like he's uh, he knows he knows what to do. He's very professional. His dad's uh, not, not out there making excuse. excuses for him. Yeah, yeah. Like he could he could start playing that card. He could have been like Instagramming <laughs> at like four a.m. Being like, oh, oh gotta be the kid again. <laughs> oh, the kid's up again. But you know, uh, so. Well, let me ask you guys this: Do you think uh, Ellie Ezerbeat bounces back, or is he is he sort of done for the year? Is there anything left in his tank? Are they all are are they all going on? Are they doing anything between now and Worlds? Taking any camps? Doing anything like that? Or is it just straight on? It's pretty much just straight on until Worlds, isn't it? Back to the racing, and then I, I feel know. like the traditional plan because usually there's a World Cup, yeah. this weekend. So I think the traditional plan is like that that they just go on. Although I know that uh, Vanderpool is with our boy uh, Yanni Vermeersch 
off in Spain, I'm assuming they're getting in a training camp, but I would assume, I mean, when you like, so uh, talking about worlds, you know, looking at Usten, Ustenda, I'm assuming Ostend, Ostend, Ostenda, how do we say it? Someone let me know on on the internet. Um, but given that that's going to be a pretty sandy race, it seems like Mall, you know, and that's part of why Wow is racing at Mall is he's like, I haven't done a sand race yet this year. So, you know, sauna, it's like second nature, but I'm just kind of wondering if some of them are like, hey, this is a tune up for uh, for the world for the world championships on a course. I feel like that would be a very American thing to do. You know, we're always like, oh, I got to get, you know, like people like we did for Fayetteville on the not even the Fayetteville world's course. It's like, oh, we got to go to Fayetteville to race. We got to go race at the venue. Even, you know, it just park, seems like a very in the American future parking thing. lot. Yes. <laughs> yes. We need to learn how to navigate the uh, the parking lot when it rains. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's right. I I, I think uh, technically, though, uh, Zach, it's, it's pronounced a tone up. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. All right. So I, I got a I got a trivia question. We're talking about Belgian Nats. Uh, Wout wins his fourth Belgian title. Um, who has the most national championships between Wout and Vanderpool? Oh, well, let's see. So I'm going to say, you know, Wout got DQ'd from his junior shot. So that's, that's one off, off the books. And then as an elite, well, I mean, Sweck won one. Tone one one. I'm gonna say it's Vanderpool. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, flying away. Vanderpool has nine natties. He's never lost a national championship yeah. that he started. Um, and wow, it's only one four, and they're all elite. You're right, Bill. He did get DQ'd from his uh, U23. Oh, U23. Yeah, yeah. The false start. The last. The, the last false. called false start. <laughs> uh, so. With Vanderpool, who's he? Like, who's his competition's a little lower as well. Not to take anything away from Matthew Vanderpool, but if anything, Wout Wout's Wout's got a little more fight going on. The interesting thing is that that Vanderpool was still able to win even in his. He must have taken a year because he had like the knee surgery years. Um, I think let's, we can pull it up right now. Um, when was the knee surgery year? I mean, he won, let's see. Yeah. 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. No, always won. Always, won. always raced. Hey, always won. Back in time for those. Okay. Yeah. You're right though. I mean, Lars van der Haard second. Right. I mean, yeah, once it kind of drops off in the, in the, in the Belgian field, you have a more riders sort of at that, at top side. And then, and then the Dutch, who is he beating? Vanderhaar. Right. <laughs> Corny. Dude, why are you Corny. why are you why are you discounting Stan Godry? <laughs> Vanderhaar. Wow, that should have been my trivia question. <laughs> who who is um who's got the who's got second <laughs> Vanderpool the most? So it's Vanderhaar. He won in two thousand fifteen. He won in two thousand sixteen, right? Yep. He had surgery October two thousand fifteen. And then won nationals. What kind of surgery did he have? Do you know? Uh, just a surgery to his injured. A, a small surgery. Just a small surgery. Uh, if it's a scope. Yeah. NFL players play the week after they get scopes That's done. That's true. Right. That is true. That's Arthur Scott. I swear surgery. that he had it on, then came, and then had to have his other knee operated on as well. There were, Are you looking at the Dutch national championships right now? No. Bill? Who won it before uh, Vanderpool? Oh, actually, well, who, yeah, who was the last person to win it before Vanderpool? Vanderhaar? Right, and who before that? Before that. Yeah. Big bada boom. Adrian Vanderpool. Oh, Lars Boom. <laughs> yeah, no. that makes sense. <laughs> no, that's way back. It's <laughs> I have a few more trivia uh, while we're on nationals because I like, you know, I like the Sonic Hunt 112. It's a streak. We like the streaks. I like to look at the streaks. Katie Compton obviously won 14 uh, national championships. You know, Sonic Hunt might catch up. So Compton won 15. 
15. Whoops. Sorry, kitty. Um, <laughs> it's fine. I just okay. didn't, I didn't want, I didn't want, no, I didn't no, want people tweeting that. at you. I like, <laughs> don't want to disrespect Katie in that way at all. She did. She um, did have that one year that she didn't win. Well, she won two. Oh, yeah. It was the, <laughs> I thought she won two in one year. She did, but there was also a year she didn't win. Because there was no, yeah. Because there right. wasn't any nationals um, after. So who won? Who was the who was the last American woman national champion before Katie Compton? Oh God, I knew this. Elson Dunlap. Yep, Zach, you got yeah. it. Yeah, uh, before my time, I don't know much about her career. Yeah, it's, um, uh, she won six. I mean, and she did she win? She won Mountain Bike World. Didn't she win the first ever Mountain Bike Worlds? That is or very possible. She won yeah. a Mountain Bike Worlds. Yeah. And she was a ginger, so kind of a big deal. Uh, <laughs> I also heard. Go. I also heard that we're recording this. It makes sense. I heard it's like kiss a ginger day, which I won't ask you guys to do. But <laughs> it's, it's better than it's a good day to bring day. it up. Team Ginge, Team Ginge. Uh, okay. Well, so speaking of Katie, in that run of fifteen uh, national championships, get a lot of of our sort of other uh, American elite women on the podiums. But who? Who land on the podium the most during that era? Oh, the on women. the podium. Yeah. So no one else could win, but there was a lot of podium finishers. And who made the most podium finishes, sorry, appearances during Katie Compton's era? I'm going to say Keo. Bill, what do you got? Um, it's kind of a trick question because they're tied. Two of them are tied. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. No idea. I'd say I would say Keo and Georgia, Georgia Gold. Gold. That was gonna be my guess. Yep, Keo and Gold both had five <laughs> podium finishes. Zach, you know you're, you're true. You're good. Uh, Meredith Miller three and Rachel Lloyd with three as well. So here's a question: Who is going to end up with more natties in cyclocross, uh, Sana or Machu? Ooh, man, that's. Mm. That's hmm. a tough one. He's halfway there. Because I think Sana Sana's not quit until she gets sixteen. Like I, I just feel like that's the kind of thing that if she can still compete, and is Metchu just going to get bored? Is he going to be like ah, I have like six worlds? Like yeah, it was fun. I don't think that stuff matters to him really. I just don't get the impression that he's like got a a, a, a book of records that he's like going after. Don't you think, though, that he's the kind of guy that, like, he'll come and do Nationals, Worlds, and, like, a couple, like, super stages, like, well, he'll do, and just win? He has to, he has to do Hoogerhide. That's, um, that's in his family contract. Because <laughs> he, he, he has that condo, right, about on the steps? <laughs> but, yeah, I, I could see, but I, I also could see him just being like, I'm done. I'm bored with this. I'm done. I could see him in a couple years doing the same with mountain biking. And then I think he's just going to be road guy. Well, it seems like road is that tougher nut to crack because there's so much variability. And if you win a race in a season, like you're considered really, really, really good. And if you're like them and win like five or six, like I'm wow. And met you and win five or six road races in a year, like you're like legendary. So yeah, it just seems like there's a lot more variables versus like, He's better than everyone at cross and he's shown that he can be one of the top two or three in mountain biking in his he's second already full done, season. He's already done more in road mountain biking and cyclocross than most top level, top 5% of all cyclists would say, that's a career. That's good for me. Right. I've had a very successful career and he's done it like in three different disciplines and he's what, like 25 years old? Yeah. Would would you, you said you use the word legendary, Zach? Would you say would you say Vanderpool is a is a legend already? Oh my god. Like think? if he if he didn't do another bike race for some weird reason, his legend would be even bigger. Like like if Matthew Vanderpool like just didn't race again, we'd be like holy this guy was potentially the greatest ever and his career was ended and what could have been but at the same time, uh, you know, Bill and I were looking at just doing, we're doing like the, the best cyclocross racers of the modern era. And 
you know, a certain part of that is how many world's titles you get. So I think he's got to understand that like there is a certain level of like those numbers matter. And I think in cross, I would say the number is five, but to some extent it matters for your legacy. I don't know. I mean, I, these guys think about these things. I mean, he could say he doesn't, but where do you think? Do you think he just wants more elite championships than what's he at now? Three or four? Three, right? So he just wants three. more than Wout, right? Yeah, they're both at three. Yeah, no, I agree, Bill. I I totally agree. He he needs he wants. This to is get that game seven. Point. This year is game seven of <laughs> of world championships. Wow, this is like a swoof. This has been a long series. Wout got the home court. <laughs> i mean I, I just feel like I, I mean i'm trying to think of like i mean there's some really sad cases of in sports of of people who you know died young or whatever and you're like oh what could have been but you know i also think about like um and a bears fan like gail sayers had a pretty short career and you're like oh what more could he has accomplished but like let's say vanderpool got in like a really bad accident or something and just couldn't race again we'd be like i mean you'd still be like that's the thing. Would he be the greatest multidisciplinary cyclist of our lifetime or that we can remember, you know, where, where, what's his like overall legacy then without another five years of just accomplishing massive things, winning Mount Lake worlds, winning tour stages, like winning road worlds. I don't know. So here's a, so here's an interesting thing that, um, I like this. I, I it might have been Bill James who writes about baseball or whatever, but in terms of you know he does in baseball analyzing guys and their their careers, and he says, all right, five best years. Like for their five best years, were they better than everyone else? Uh, and so that would be an interesting standard to apply because like you look at Vanderpool's you know five best years or Tiger's five best years or whatever. Then I think like then he's definitely in whatever conversation you want to have. And he's only 25. That's a really, that's, that's a comparison worth looking into, you know, between. Yeah. Like looking at Mariana Voss, five best years. Oh gosh. Uh, Fran Provost best five years. Right. You know, you can, you can, you can uh, wind up some, wind up some championships in there. For all the different, yeah, all yeah, the different exactly. Um, but yeah, I think that's what makes it hard. And I mean, I think it's the same thing with like LeBron earlier in his career. You were like, "Well, this guy's amazing," but he's still young. And now you're like, "Yeah, okay, all right, he's one of the two best players of all time." Like, yeah, it was it was legit. And I guess I just see that potential for Vanderpool if like he races well till he's 32. Just the like the string of accomplishments that he'll have, you'll just be like, yeah. You know, because there's some recency bias. We watch him and we're like, it's hard to like fathom a cyclocross racer who is better at like everything and so smooth and graceful and makes it look effortless. But we don't know. We never saw Eric Devlamic race. Exactly. We never saw, exactly. yeah. you know, these other dudes. And I think it's it's with that metric then rings, jerseys. We do jerseys in cycling that that ends up yep. kind of defining that conversation. Well, I mean, that also cut, that also sort of is the other part of that is like Sven Nye's two worlds, but how many wins, individual wins, right? And that's sort of an interesting thing that we can translate over to like in the NBA, like Charles Barkley or NFL, um, you know, those those players who who have Dan Reno, right? Great career, but just can't win the Super Bowl. So like, I don't know, what's, what is what is Vanderpool's win total at, right? Like, how does he compare already to Sven? Um, I mean, I think that's interesting to look at that. I mean, I, 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 Vanderpool's the kind of guy, though, like like you said, Zach, everything, he, he's, already, he's already legendary because he's excelled at everything all the time. He hasn't had those down years. And when he was injured, like you said, Bill, he still won the national championship. So this kind of, you can't even... I mean, just imagine if uh, imagine if he wins tour stage. If this happens, if he wins tour stages and then like gets a medal at the Olympics, <laughs> like to just be like, I just did this huge flex. Like, you know, I made this. I raced at the tour. I won a tour stage. I won two tour stages, and then I got a medal at the Olympics. And who else can do that? So, if this is correct, which I believe it is. Sven won 50 World Cup races. 
55 super prestige races, 42 B post trophy races, and then only two world championships. But uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six national championships. And then he was the Belgian mountain bike national champion for uh, six years. <laughs> but like the 50 World Cups, 55 super prestige races. I mean, that's a, you know, it's, it's, it's just funny. I mean, yeah, he doesn't have the jerseys in the, in the world championship, but just a, a, a dominant racer from basically 2000 to 2009. So he had a decade there where he was, he was pretty much the best. And he was going against any, you know, legendary competition in that time, too. I mean, look at, you know, Neil Zalber. You look at Lars Bohm, Zednik Stebar, you know. And, and there, there, Zach, I mean, I guess that's my, what's, 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 what's the old person equivalence to recency bias? Uh, <laughs> you know, because that's <laughs> like the, the back in my day. Yeah, exactly. Nostalgia yeah. bias? No, it's, it's truly the Jordan versus LeBron, right? I mean... I, I think I would say yes, but LeBron is getting up there in the rings. I mean, I think Jordan's legacy is based. It's the six titles is yeah. a huge part of it. I mean, and but like I, you know, I compare Sven to Jordan because like the way they changed. I mean, the two of them, Sven, cyclocross changed how it was perceived in the fandom in Belgium. And Michael Jordan made the NBA literally a worldwide phenomenon that's like a juggernaut <laughs> right but you also e- even even more than that you can yes you can say sven and belgium and belgian cyclocross where jordan was chicago he did not leave chicago he they had you know sub possibly subpar teams in chicago that he kind of willed into championship teams at some point where you know i mean if there's any knock on lebron it it's the it's the championship shopping right so you know Cleveland. Oh, I'll, I'll have that argument for sure. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> um, you know, but, like Cleveland's the legit one. Miami was like, I mean, I think they're all legit. I think that he definitely deserves to be where he's at, but he he was very good at picking good situations as well, where Jordan was, you know, in the same situation the whole time. Yeah. Was Sven a psychopath like Michael Jordan is? <laughs> Did Sven say, and I took that personally? <laughs> <laughs> is Sven staring at an iPad right now and just laughing? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I wonder if he likes a, uh, likes a good cigar, though. That'd be interesting. Probably not. Probably not, because that's going to, you know, seems like he's kind of a health nut, so I'm going to say no. Pretty that. healthy guy, yeah, right. I mean, I don't think, I I know that Sven runs a B&B, and I don't think, I, I haven't seen any photos of them chomping on cigars <laughs> and drinking wine there. I will say this though, like I know for the bulletin, um, Bill and I have been, we've f- done the framework, the maths on kind of like the t- the top eleven, a heat check for the modern era. So we're saying since ninety five for men and women, and I'm purposely waiting till after Worlds, in part to see what Vanderpool does. And honestly, like it's gonna be, I mean. Uh, it's interesting that women's cyclocross has been dominated by a handful of women. And so actually whoever wins worlds will actually <laughs> couldn't be anywhere up to like sixth or seventh in terms of accomplishments, at least um, just because it's so top heavy uh, with Voss and Hanka Kupfernagel and the one of the French women. I don't know her name <laughs> top of my head. Um, so yeah, so that'll be something that we'll do and hopefully generate some discussion. Cause I think there's going to be lots of little like questions about, you know, these little things and the people who remember watching Niels Albert and versus, you know, the us who are, have recency bias towards wow and Michu. So I think it'll be kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Should we talk about the, uh, U S national selection or world selection for our last couple minutes here? Yeah, we teased it. We said it was going to happen, and we 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 don't want to be we don't want to be that kind of podcast that That's says right. words and doesn't back them up. So <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> and we were so we were so stringent on uh, getting through our agenda for the first forty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't even touched it. We well, we got through all my trivia questions. Okay, so that's good. All right, all right. So we got a team of team of six. I, I I think that you know you can check out the the article that I wrote on the. For the bulletin, and I uh, got to talk to 
uh, Jeff Pierce, who's the um, director of athlete development, I think, something like that, team, something. You can check out whatever it is. But uh, just about how the, the selection criteria has changed um, this year, as it has every year in the past, I don't know, basically since we've been following it. And it is it, the, 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 the emphasis for USA Cycling is one to make the, it standardized across disciplines. I think that, that was a big thing that they are um, stressing. And then also that it's, they're looking for the best of the best and uh, that this isn't a, this isn't a Sunday ride to quote um, Muzzin. Um, that, they, they want to make the standards harder. And I think for this year, it's kind of difficult to see what that means because it's such a, such a strange year with almost nobody racing. And basically the people who made the team are the people who are already in Europe. So we had on the men's side, uh, was Curtis white racing in the elites. And then on the women's side, you had Maddie Monroe's racing U 23. And then you had Clara, Becca, Katie, Katie, and that's it, right? That was those are the six. Initial thoughts? What do you guys think? I'll I'll just go first because I feel like you guys have more opinions on this. Um, and I just want to say that I think it's it's twenty twenty and it's been a weird year. So I think everybody who's on the team should be on the team but i guess you know, there may be a few riders who are still over in europe and it's like they're there that that was my sort of one my takeaway is that it's like they're there this is kind of a weird year to sort of drop some some new or to change the qualifications or sort of decide to do something different that like if they're there and they want to race and i don't know the financials but if they can do it let them do it um and then you know when we come back to the states next year for the worlds maybe we can revisit those things yeah, and I think that part of that too is like one of the things that we talk about a lot is funded versus self-funded for for worlds and people harp on the the fee that USA Cycling expects self-funded riders to pay to be able to race worlds. I, I don't know. I mean, I think there's a lot of different factors there. I don't think USA Cycling is really rolling in the bucks right now. So I don't, I don't, and this isn't an Olympic sport. So the, there is, there really isn't any funding. So that's not, I think that's the, the, the least of the issues I have with that process. But just a- along those lines, nobody, nobody here made the, the fully funded requirements. That's how stringent it is. Basically, it's one. One requirement you have to have you have to be on the world championship podium the the previous year, and you could say well Matty Monroe was, but the problem is you have to be on a world's podium in the same classification that you're going to be racing, and she won that in the juniors. She's now racing in the U23, so that doesn't count. So that knocked everybody down into the self-funded. The one thing that USA Cycling did do since everybody is already there, as you said, Michael, and they are kind of already supporting themselves, is that everything on top of that. USA Cycling is funding. So this is a fully funded team since it is such a small squad. So the, the resources are much less. What do you think, Zach? Yeah, I think that, um, I mean, I'm just kind of, I, I think the idea, the thing that we were talking about in the green room is what, what standard are we trying to achieve for going to worlds? And so I know at least with our discretionary and I don't want to, I was looking through the article and I don't want to necessarily put words in Jeff's mouth, but I know for our discretionary picks, it's like, all right, if something happened, but you're metal capable, I mean, that is like a super high standard. And so maybe, I guess maybe I'd like to see some idea of like what we're, we're trying to achieve because like, if you go by metal capable, I, I made this joke, like we should probably just have 16 starters. Like if you're in the top 16 (laughs) at the UCI rankings, like you get to start worlds and what's everyone else doing. So trying to figure out, you know, what we're trying to do, you know, I like the idea of if you're in the top 20 in the UCI standings, uh, that's great. Like, I think we should have that. Um, I personally like the idea and I know I haven't dived it, but I, I like the idea. If you win nationals, if you win Pan Ams, you qualify. I think that's pretty cool. Like that means that you're capable of uh, achieving something. But you know, in the addendum, 
a little bit of shade thrown at our probably unintentional, but thrown at our friends from Canada saying that maybe the continental Jersey isn't worth as much as a Euros Jersey. And so you might not even get to go. So I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah. I, and I think yeah. that it came across one of our commenters. I think that, uh, I think you said actually to talk to Jeff Pierce and tell him to, they, it seemed like he was shooting from the hip and there were some kind of insulting comments uh, in that interview, uh, Bill, that you d- did towards the cyclocross community. I don't. Yeah. And I, I'm, I, I, I'm sure that that was not intentional, but it seemed like my, what I came away with is that within his, team there is the perception that cyclocross racers don't necessarily take their sport as serious as they should and that 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 was the part that i was like i'm I'm not really sure that that meant and i think that that he was selling it as you know we want we're like you know we're tough we're we're tough love here you know we're gonna make sure that you guys are the best that you're gonna be and that's that's all fine i have no problem with that i just didn't didn't necessarily agree with how it was um uh, just couched. Uh, if, if, if you want to get into the weeds with this, uh, to, 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 to meet the standards that they set out, you have to, um, podium at a world cup event. So Clara met that requirement twice. She was the only one there. That's kind of the second, the second level criteria. After that, you will have to have finished in the top three, of uh, the super prestige or I mean they have Dave Ave, but what we now know is the X2O. So you have to overall finish in the top three. That'll get you in. And then after that, and this is where really everyone, well, most everyone qualified. Uh you t- top ten in the World Cup standings. Again, that's Clara. Uh and then top twenty overall UCI rankings. And that was Clara Katie Compton and Curtis all all met that requirement, uh, and Becca, excuse me, and Becca. So that just that left Katie Keo, uh, in under a discretionary. I'm just going to assume that this is this is where your metal capable comes in, Zach. You know, she's shown in the past that she's capable of getting on a World Cup podium. She's done it before, so I, I, I'm I'm assuming that's. That gets her into it, and then Maddie Monroe, of course, U twenty three athlete who is has already proven that she's metal capable. She was was on the podium the year before. So, so we've had these standards in the past. I think even when uh, we were sending full squads or whatever, right? And usually it was like if you're in the top seventy five of the UCI right. for the men and top fifty of the women. So basically, we're saying top twenty. So I, I, you know, it'll. I guess someone else made this point. Um, it'll be interesting to see next year when we have uh, nationals here in the U.S. and we send a men's team with maybe two riders, maybe, you know, depending on if they include Pan Am winner. And we might only have, we might be sending two men and three women next year. I mean, that's, that's, so it's, so I guess I, that's where I want is like to try to establish like, you know, is the top 20 too stringent? You know, what level as a nation are we? Are we saying that we think we're Belgium? Um, you know, where literally you have to be in like for the men at least, and for the Dutch women, you have to be in the top like 15 in the UCI to qualify. Um, so I think, you know, I guess I would just like to see some articulation and then not, you know, like what level of achievement are we looking for? And are we sending our riders who best represent, you know, our federation and not just saying to me, like top 20 seems arbitrary, like strict to just be like, all right, screw it. We're just going to send two people. Like, I don't know if that's representative, you know, of, of us. We, we, we have like these three or four or five riders we can identify who have been achieving things throughout the year. And we can say, all right, these are our best riders, you know? And then we always had kind of like the six and seven spots were the, I think what Jeff is referring to, but our top level riders were always consistently good throughout the season. Um, and so maybe some, some, some better definition of like what our goal, what are we're looking to achieve Yeah, while not it, saying like you have to hit this, this standard that we're just, we're not at, we're not at that level yet. Yeah. I, I think that is absolutely correct. I think a couple things that shouldn't go, unnoticed in the different in the standards this year versus the past uh and you alluded to it with the top 
75 versus top 50 and the, the different standards for men and women that that finally is gone which is a good thing so now the standards are the same between the men and the women where in the past it was it was really for no reason other than the men were not getting the results the women were getting they were given more uh leeway in where they could finish in standings and still meet those requirements but they're gone it's now the same between the the men and the women the 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 part where I think that you can still where, where I agree with you, Zach, and what I think needs to be taken into consideration, and especially there I, I want to see there being built in. I understand Europe is is the shit and that's where we all want to go to race and that's where the best racing is. But at the same time, if we do have this schedule that I'm hoping for that I kind of alluded to last week where we only have be it 13 or 14 or whatever it's going to be weekends of UCI racing in the U S and there's only one race per weekend. then we are getting the best riders in the U S North America, you know, with some euros, uh, mixed in, in the same place every weekend. And that's what we want. And, and for all of the organizers who put on a UCI race, they, they should feel like they are participating in not only the development of the riders, but also in who gets to go to worlds that, that they, they have a stake in that, you know, and, and that's, that's the problem right now is that you put on these races and it's kind of like, Oh, that's nice. You put on a race, but it doesn't really mean anything. You know, it, it's always going to mean something in that people are getting points. So if you do, we are back to a, now with these standards where accumulating UCI points is important just for worlds, kind of like it's been in the past and for starting in, in any UCI race. But as you know, it's, it's no longer the World Cup thing, which is going to be most of the season. So it still is important to get those points. So that's where the U.S. season comes into play. But I just feel like it's, it's sort of the pushed aside is not being that important. And I understand that Europe is where you want to race. But I also think that especially for the younger riders, you need some sort of development that also takes place in the U.S. And hopefully we can give them that opportunity. Well, and that's why I guess maybe I would look at it and say like top four. So if we look at like the men last year, so like, let's say that we decide that Pan Ams doesn't get an auto qualification, we would have sent a male rider to worlds last year. So like when they did it, Curtis was 17th, Kerry was 23rd, Gage was 35th and Steven was 40th. So like, if you did top 40, like those were our four best men that I think if you looked at me and said, Last year, who deserves to go to the world championships? I would have said those four men deserve to go to the world championships and re- represent our country. So I would, I don't know. I, I look at the numbers, um, yeah. but you're right. I think we, we had this discussion last year is they've overhauled it. They've made it very Eurocentric. We want to see American cyclocross develop. And we're saying, well, you're nothing if you're not, I mean, are they saying that in like in the Czech Republic? Are they like, well, if you're not in Belgium winning, like we're not going to send you to war. You know, it's like, the the two the two are diametrically opposed to developing American cyclocross and getting our heroes, our best riders, helping build the sport and build some excitement here versus being like, hey, if you want to race in this uh, race, you need to be in Belgium, right? And saying that doesn't the season saying that doesn't mean you're not serious. I think would be the the main point as well. Well, and it seems like world should be like you kind of race against you know your people. You know you race the toy toy cup, the the Swiss cup, and you come together at worlds and see who's the best. I, yeah. I don't, I've got no problem with that. Like, you know, the same, right. sort of, that used like to that be how was, the world cups worked. <laughs> right. Like what's, what is the point of worlds, right? If we're not bringing multiple riders from various countries, top, like you said, top 16, it would be, you know, Dutch and Belgium and that's it. Like what, what's the point metal capable, honestly, top eight that's all you actually need to actually take to worlds if you're doing metal capable of the entire country but i i like that's what i keep thinking is like what is the point of worlds it's you know what's the point of olympics it's it's is that it is that all these various countries coming together and that's the cool thing and so yeah you're going to get a rider who was going to finish 50th at worlds but they're participating in this global event um i don't know i i i if we're going that far, I'm I'm on the the side of for your elite riders, just send the the best, and I don't I don't. Well, you should send the best, but like, yeah, right. You're not gonna. You're, I'm not saying, but your best might be, right. Not that good relative, but like for our it will country, be, it will be interesting if we do under these standards get to a point where we are sending nobody. That that will be the you know, and that it's like what uh you know 
like Ireland had that had that issue a couple of years ago. They just sent nobody. They said nobody meets our standards, and they didn't send anybody. And that's that will be interesting to see if we get to that point. I do want to hmm. uh, point out Max Chance uh, tweeted out, which I thought was interesting, yes. since these standards <laughs> are now across the board for all disciplines. And he said, well, maybe they should stop sending a full team to Road Worlds too for the elite men. Top American at Road Worlds was. The, or the placings were 53rd, 40th, 63rd, 53rd, and 43rd uh, in the last five years. Oh, that was the top top American in the last five years. 53rd, 40th, 63rd, 53rd, and 43rd. And then in cyclocross for elite men in, in for the top past five years were 16th, 21st, 15th, 18th, and 23rd. So cyclocross actually getting better results than road, which from my understanding, would be the more serious. You're, you're shaking your head, Michael. Proportional. Proportional. They got more people in the road worlds, you know, 100-plus fields. Yeah, but nobody nobody getting proportional, yet the top end isn't the same. Nobody getting close to 16th. I, I like Max's point. I think yeah. it's a good point. I mean, I think, I think yeah, we sent maybe two to Worlds last year. So, yeah, well, I guess four, but... I don't know. It'll be interesting. I think Zach hit on it as well. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens with worlds in the U.S. if we're sticking to these strict criteria and, you know, maybe having, hopefully sending a, a full squad because everybody meets those requirements. But if they don't, are we going to be like sending, you know, one elite male and three elite females to to Arkansas worlds would be <laughs> wild. So my proposal, I was just looking, I mean, this is based off one year, but uh, looking, I, th- I would say my proposal is top 40. So ranked 40th for the women last year was Courtney McFadden who finished fourth at our U S nationals. Um, but that meant that it would have been Katie, Katie, Becca and Clara would have all qualified. And then Courtney was 40th. So like, I don't. I mean, I look at like if you that was your standard, I would say those are among our best riders who consistently competed and achieved results. And to me, that's what I want to see is like maybe there is a little bit of a smell test, and so I would go back and be like, all right, who, you know, who were you know who were my people in each of these seasons for the last like eight years or whatever, and look at the UCI rankings and try to do it that way. But um, I don't know. It seems arbitrarily high. I think you want controversy, USA Cycling you know, send four, four riders to, to worlds. And, and I'm not saying we should fill out the whole team, but I'm saying we should get standards that represent where we are as a federation, as a nation that sends our top athletes who are achieving things here domestically on the continent, you know, uh, that represent our country well and not make it a participation trophy. Uh, keeping in mind too, that we're not an Olympic sport. We don't get as much money. And so like some of these people have job, I mean, not our top riders, but like, so maybe you're saying it was fun because yeah, like Sonny Gilbert had to work a real job and then race cyclocross on the weekend because there wasn't money to pay her full time. Cause we're not an Olympic sport. Like I, that's not her fault. She's not, it's not just cause it's fun. It's cause like, there's no money. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's right. I think that's right. Uh, and, and you know, and I, but I, I, I do agree as well as like, just because you have seven slots doesn't mean you have to fill. It's not a check. You know, it's not a, um, I have money left in my account because I still have checks left in the book. It's not, you know, that's, that's not the analogy. If, if, if people aren't nobody, I don't think anybody's saying if people, well, I'm not saying if people are not qualified, then you just put them on there because you have slots left. I don't, I don't think that that is a, a solid argument, at least at the elite level. I think that there is a more nuanced argument to be made for U23 and junior, which would be development, you know. We didn't even get there. We get, we because of the way things worked out that's this another, year. We didn't even. That's another hour. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, I think you, I think we all kind of agree that like somewhere in, somewhere in between with a better definition and, you know, trying to stick to uh, a definition or enforce it across the board. Like if you have sports where you have zero athletes who are qualifying, then, you know, if, if you want, if that's your standard and that's what you think we're going to be across the board, then have a world where we don't send USA cyclists to to certain years of worlds in certain disciplines. I, I don't know if I like that. Like, I want US. I like, want US was, cyclocross to to count. That's that's my main thing. I just I, there you go. I, I feel like a lot of people put a lot of time into 
making these races happen. I think that if, if you have everybody in the same place, so you don't have three separate UCI races on the same day, which I never was a fan of, then I think you get all the competition that we have available and you're able to, they're able to, you know, bang heads against each other every weekend and that's going to make them stronger. And as I said, it's just, that's, that's how you build the scene at the top level is to make, make that important. Well, in long term, if you're gonna if you're talking about developing and uh, uh, establishing higher standards, like you need our top athletes racing in the U.S. It can't be like, hey, we got this, you know, we got this prodigy in Claire Hansinger, we got this prodigy in Katie Klaus in Madigan Monroe, and be like, all right, let's send them to Europe. Like we need to have like a a robust scene where we just have right, and that's that's part of what Belgium has done, where people. W- develop here by racing against the best and that's not going to happen if we're taking our best riders and being like well you're a special case because you're a once in a five ten year talent you get to go to europe to qualify for worlds like that's not going to develop the scene we saw like look at belgian cyclocross when matt is not racing no one cares you want to see the best no one wants to see the fourth best winning a race like it also does nothing for homegrown sponsors if you're like oh now you're good you get to go race for a team that's sponsored by a dutch bank you know it doesn't that 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 doesn't that doesn't turn on an American sponsor to go. Hey, I want to be in the long run on for this guy. Or, or like, hey, do you want to sponsor the fifth best? You know, our top rider. They're yeah. I know no offense, but like, I think that I want to see him race here. And I we have a system. You know, I mean, it's worked in the past. We'll see what the new World Cups. But you know, it was like, all right, you did the domestic season. You went to Europe for the Thanksgiving World Cups. Came back. You did Nats. Then you went to Europe. I I think that's great. Um, but you know, let's get two two and a half really good months of good racing with our best riders and have a federation that supports that. Yep. Should we end it there? Yeah. What do we got? Well, what do we got well, coming before, up racing wise? Mall. So we Mall. got one race this weekend, and then we've got uh, Flandrian Cross and Driven Cross uh, two for the week before Worlds, and we got Worlds. We've got like. It, yeah. Two more shows, and then we'll be okay. We'll have to do our. Worlds. We'll have to get our worlds pick in, picks in there at some point. Should we do? Uh, should we do emergency worlds pods? We could do like each day. Should we get like each get in our car for nostalgia's sake? And are you putting <laughs> you putting this? You putting this on wax now just, that we're doing this? Well, I'm just throwing it out as an idea. I mean, if people <laughs> want to see that, I don't see why we couldn't. All right. I'm just throwing it out there. I don't know. Let's do it. You've seen what we do. Like, <laughs> we can talk for an hour about our race. <laughs> Outstanding. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. The Slow Ride Podcast. Three idiots who are usually wrong. The Slow Ride Podcast. The titanium of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast. It's like if David Vanderpool had a podcast. The Slow Ride Podcast. The Zwift Racing of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast. Find the real advice. The Slow Ride Podcast. The arrow helmet of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast. Sport leader coming through. The Slow Ride Podcast. When's Lance gonna sue us? The Slow Ride Podcast. The experts in French cycling. The Slow Ride Podcast. Official Fan Experience Zone on Facebook. The Slow Ride Podcast, the gravel bike of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast, both vertically and horizontally compliant. The Slow Ride Podcast. New episodes every Tuesday.